0: You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here.
1: Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, joined as always by the sensei of self-promotion, Nick Ligatino.
0: Take your sucrets and shut up. Let's go. (laughs) I'm ready.
1: And we are joined by the boldest man alive, the man with the balls to start Bartolo Cologne. Joe Saunders.
2: Yo, what's up? Yo, he took a ball to the gut and he was he shrugged it off. And he made the play. He's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, he's the best.
1: His belly is still jiggling as we speak. Woohoo. All right, we've got a good show lined up for you guys tonight. We're going to kick it off with the news and notes. And the big news from around the league was Robinson Cano first landing on the DL with a fractured hand, but also being suspended 80 games for a positive uh, test. I believe it was a banned substance. I don't want to call it a PED. So there's a couple of things to unravel here. Who are you targeting as your potential replacement? And do you think Seattle will consider moving D Gordon to second base?
0: Uh, yeah, they'll probably consider it. Um, I mean, the position is deeper in the outfield, and he's a very good second baseman as it is. Um, so that could work out well. Uh, the guy that I would target is Josh Harrison still. I know I mentioned him on uh, earlier podcasts, but he's coming back from the DL. He was having a really nice season before he got injured. And he's he was cemented into that leadoff role on that team. and The Pirates offense, uh, Josh Bell is starting to come around now, and they could be really interesting. Comoran has looked good. We spoke about him a lot. So I think the runs could come uh, in, in big numbers for Harrison once he comes back. And if he stays healthy, last year in 486 plate appearances, 16 home runs, 12 steals, 272 average. You know, if, if he gets a 500 at-bat season, you're looking at a guy who could go 2015 with a good average and good OPS. So, I would go out and try and get him now right now. He's only 24% on Yahoo. And if he's not, you could go out and probably get him for nothing on the trade market.
2: Uh, I agree that I think Gordon will probably see some time. Um, it's too bad. Kyle Lewis isn't ready. He's a few years out because he could slot right into the outfield and Gordon could shift over. Um, but generally speaking, it's easier to get outfielders and the guy I'm targeting and you guys might laugh at me, but it's Howie Kendrick um, in his last 488, 91 plate appearances. He's got 15 home runs, 13 steals, and he's batting 309, 310. I mean, mm, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, he's super boring, and he's probably free.
0: Pat hates Howie
2: Kendrick. I
1: I don't hate Howie Kendrick. I actually like that pick. Um, okay, a couple of depth options. Uh, Zach Kozart and Ian Kinsler are pretty readily available. I know you guys are not big fans of Kinsler. Um but I still think he's got some upside. And while Kinsler has found his way towards the back of that lineup, Cozart has been hitting near the top. Um, Nico Goodrum is a very deep play, has power and speed, um, and is playing almost every day for Detroit. And Matt Duffy is going to hit for average with a little power and a little speed. Um, and I believe he's got second and third base, so he's got a little bit of flexibility. Uh, and, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think this is a potential path for T Gordon to find his way back to second base eligibility next year. Okay. AJ Pollock had a spring thumb. He's out four to eight weeks, pretty wide time frame. He's off to a fantastic start, but he's hurt again. Who are you replacing him with
0: Joe? Who do you got?
2: Uh, I actually don't have anyone. So Pat, I was going to ask you, throw me some names and I want to pick from your list. If you have guys prepared. Okay, yeah, I do.
1: Um, Franchi Cordero, Max Kepler, Steven Souza, and a pair of Reds: Adam Duvall and Scott Schebler.
0: I love Max Kepler.
2: Yeah, I think Max Kepler is a guy I pick up out of that group.
1: I would rank Franchi number one, but that's because I have a poster of Franchi Cordero on my mm-hmm. wall, and yeah, no, I d- and I do think that he's the best, you know,
2: replica of. Pollock's power and speed skills among that group. That's fair. Yeah,
0: yeah I think guy- I think
2: Kepler's got a batting average, more batting average upside. Oh, uh, well, maybe not. Yeah, he's probably safer than Franchi, but yeah, Franchi's got the pop and speed.
0: Um, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to bring up Aaron Hicks right now. The percentage ownership is way down at 34%, and he's going to snap out of it soon. He's been pretty cold most of the year. Um, but he's still getting on base and he's seeing that Lido spot when they give garden a rest. Um, you know, he's a guy who gets, has pretty good power and speed and, you know, he can, can hit for good average and OPS. So I would go out and target Hicks while the, the presentership is low. Cause once he gets hot and he's on that Yankee team, it's going to shoot up.
2: Yo, you just made up a word. What? And I actually like it. Percentership. <laughs> oh, percentage. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Not
1: bad. It, it's really not a word. It seems like it would be a word. <laughs> Percentage chip. Okay. All right. Keenan Middleton uh, looks to be done for the year with UCL damage. Um, but even when he came back from a prior stint on the DL, he wasn't receiving the save chances for one reason or another. Is Jim Johnson the guy uh, as yes, we expected? Yes.
0: It was inevitable.
1: Yeah, it was eventually going to happen. But this is definitely a situation where if they stay competitive they're going to trade for uh, you know like a kelvin herrera or a rysel iglesias or if a column gets right maybe zach Britton if he comes back and looks good right this is the angels have got to do something at that at that yeah. spot they can't roll with jim johnson
0: please go out and trade it for dylan batances get him off this team please oh
2: yes hey, wow man. you sound just like a yankee fan yep hey, but yeah, so uh, just just to add, right? Jim Johnson was a guy that we've been saying for weeks. He is the best pitcher in that bullpen. Um, no, no, I don't no, know no, no, if no. I
1: agree with that. Well, he's been no, the best pitcher in the bullpen. Don't don't you put that voodoo on me?
0: He's been yeah. the best pitcher <laughs> in the bullpen. Yeah, I guess. Um, no, uh, what uh, what we've said, what I've said, I think Pat will share the same sentiment. Is that He has the most experience out of all those guys. All those guys have issues, whether it be injury in Bedrosian or inexperience in the other guys, um, and that eventually this contending team is going to need a reliable source of saves, and he seems like the most reliable source when you look at the bunch and would get that opportunity soon. I didn't base it on skill. Okay, Adrian
1: Beltray on the DL again with the hamstring injury. He's going to be out two to three weeks. Who do you like as a potential replacement for Adrian Beltre?
0: Somehow, some way, I don't understand how it's possible. But Miguel Andujar's ownership right now is only forty-two percent. Um, for anyone who, go ahead, Pat.
1: You're you're getting out of control with the Yankees, dude.
0: I, I, I am. Like, but, every
1: answer is a Yankee.
2: But you also missed a great opportunity to use percentership. <laughs>
0: percentership. Is forty two percent no? But listen, um but listen, I, I get it. Yeah, I brought up the Yankees, and I always say I'm non-biased, but it seems like I'm being biased right now. <laughs> but, but wait, but we can all agree that we have talked
1: about good. we have talked about three different players that are not on the Yankees, and you have found a way to bring the <laughs> Yankees up on each one. And
0: that, it was your first but, thought. <laughs> but we can all agree that the kid looks really good. He's getting the big hits. Uh, he's being patient at the plate. I, I don't. I, just like I don't know games. that I agree with any of that, but that's that's okay. Okay, that is okay. Uh, <laughs> another guy, Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Danielle. Daniel, Daniel uh, guy <laughs> Guys got every eligibility on the field, and he's been playing really good right now. Eight sixty one OPS. He's been crushing it over the last month. The last two weeks, one point zero eight four OPS. Uh, he seems to just getting be getting better and better as the days go on. Uh, he's another guy I would target especially because of the eligibility makes him sexy.
2: And it's a is actually interesting. So um, mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of the diamondbacks, right? Cause I'm a goldie owner and I've just been killing myself. But so I've been watching a lot of the D backs games and he's had some pretty darn good at bats. So I like that call. Um, another one uh, who's Pat's boy who's he's mentioned a lot on this podcast is Colin Moran. He's kind of still holding his own, um, you know, the power kind of slowed up since his little burst at the beginning, but he's still handling the bat well in batting average, and he's getting walks at a good clip with a solid on-base percentage. So, Colin Moran's a good good name that I throw out there. He, he's going
0: to be really good.
1: Yeah, th- uh, that's the first name on my list, Joe, as you, know, you rightfully predicted. Um, yeah, to me, every time I see him swing the bat, I have no doubt that there's going to be some power to come when the weather gets yeah, warmer. Yeah. Um, I like him a lot. Carlos Villanueva is another guy um, who's cooled, but he might be available. I believe that he hit a bomb um, either yesterday or today. Um, I don't think they played today, so I want to say it was yesterday. Um, And Wilmer Flores is in line for an increased amount of playing time with Todd Frazier uh, currently on the shelf as well. So those are two names that I might target in deeper leagues. Adam Wainwright is back on the DL. Uh, Jack Flaherty was called up, pitched last night, pitched relatively well. Um, Five and a third innings, I believe one earned. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Three Ks? Yep. Okay. So is this finally the opening for Flaherty to get his extended look? And what is the deal with Alex Reyes looming?
0: All right. So, with Flaherty, we've spoken about him in the past on the show. I, I think I'm the biggest fan of the three of us and the biggest believer in what this guy could actually do. Um, what I saw from yesterday's start, and I, and I watched the entire start, was the thing that impressed me was the command and the control. And that was an issue of Flaherty's uh, here and there in his minor league career. Uh, but over the last... In 2017, 2018, we saw a big, big improvement, and we saw the K-rate go up like crazy. Yesterday, he looked so 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 good he was painting the ball all over the corners throwing that filthy breaking stuff and i'm just really excited for this kid i think that and you could call me crazy right now i swear i see more potential in him than i right now than i do than i see in carlos martinez right now right now call me crazy i don't care um, the, the breaking stuff is really, really, really insane off the charts. He he's got shades of Patrick Corbin. I think the kid is going to absolutely roll, uh, go out and pick him up right now. Uh, as far as Alex Reyes, um, yeah, now that Wayne Wainwright is hurt, the path becomes a little more clear, but like, I think I'm sticking to my guns here. I think that he remains in the pen for a while. Um, they could use the help in the pen and maybe down the line, if, if they're contending, they, they bring him into the rotation, but I, I don't see it happening in the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah. So um, I think the fantasy community at large, especially uh, with the headlines that have been posted are going to be enamored by the fact that Ray has started in uh, a ball and through five innings, he struck out 12, right? So that sounds really gaudy. He was hitting triple digits, all nice and good. Um, I'm going to go with Nick here though. I think that, um, I think Rays is going to slot into the bullpen. They need the help badly. They need the help more than they need the starting pitching help. Um, And again, it was just a ball. Um, So I'd expect him to strike out like 10 guys through five innings in a ball. Um, So I think ultimately he's, he's, I'm going to stick with my guns too. And I'm going to say that he's going to go in the bullpen. Pat, what do you think?
1: I would normally agree with you guys, but the only thing is before the season started, the Cardinals seemed adamant that they wanted Reyes to start. Um, Now, with the way things have shaken out, with Greg Holland proving unreliable, um, with everybody outside of Bud Norris proving either unreliable or injured in that bullpen, their game plan may have changed. Um, I still lend some credence to that, though. Um, but I think Flaherty can pitch well enough that it it really won't matter. Um, you know, he's got good stuff. He's got the opportunity now. It's not like Reyes is, you know, one rehab start away. Now, um, he's still got a ways to go and, you know, I mean, Michael Waka has pitched pretty well, but he's not exactly the pitcher of health. Carlos Martinez is on the shelf right now. Um, he's expected back, but you know, he, he might, you know, suffer another injury. There's, there are paths where Flaherty stays in the rotation
0: and Reyes comes up anyway. So
1: I don't think the two are mutually exclusive.
0: Do you think there's a chance that they run a six man rotation when, when Martinez comes back and let's say, let's say Martinez comes back and all five stay healthy and Reyes is doing well in the pen. Do they run a six man rotation down the line?
1: That sounds way too progressive to me for Mike Matheny.
2: I'll believe okay. it when I see it, man. Like yeah, in theory, it always sounds good. I'll believe it when I first see someone really do it. Okay. I'll put it this way: I think there's a higher
1: likelihood that a spot opens up for Reyes through injury or performance than they go six-man.
2: Let me, let me. Well, I just want to talk about this real quick, actually. Some some real baseball stuff, right? So Nick look at houston for example right one of the most progressive uh franchises right now and they have the pitching staff that they could probably run six guys out there they and could run still, seven
1: if they wanted to
2: yeah they, and they're still not so again right like until we see someone try this it's just so hard to buy into it and plus everyone's all about bullpens right now
0: yep, yep. okay
2: all right
1: Freddie peralta Got the call on Sunday in Coors, 13 Ks in five and a third innings of shutout ball. What did you see here? And how much of your fab budget would you be willing to expend on Freddie in terms of percentage ship?
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, it's, it's tough because um, for me – I, guys with this type of control, I, I tend to be a little bit more scared scared away. Um, but the K potential is obviously extremely attractive. And if he could somehow bring the walks to, like, hover around four per nine, then that would be, like, amazing. But I think that's wishful thinking, especially since it's his first trip to the, to the bigs. And we see guys come up, and usually the first thing that happens is uh, with these guys that struggle with, with control and command is they kind of – it's kind of messy when they first get the call. So I would percentage wise, uh, I would say 10% ish. Not maybe not even.
2: Yeah. So I initially had 10%. The more I look, I'd probably go a little bit higher than that. Um, Just because I think that the other offerings, the slider and the changeup are good enough to play. Despite the fact that he, he, apparently through like 90% fastballs, which could have been cutter. Um, It's questionable uh, about the class pitch classifications. Um, I'm kind of with Nick though. I'm just a little worried about the walks and the control getting away from him. I think he's a lot like a lot of other young players that at times he's going to dazzle teams and he's going to strike out 10 or 11 guys. And then other times he's going to walk, you know, Three, four guys, and give up a couple of home runs, and then his line looks awful.
0: Yeah, but you know what? He could he could walk. The only thing with this kid is he can walk guys. He doesn't give up home runs. Um, I, yeah, I but it's know. gonna I, happen.
2: I, and when you have so much, when you have so much traffic on the base pass, I mean, you get into tough situations. You got to pitch I from know, the stretch but all know, the time.
0: A ton of ground balls. I, I don't know. I. I i mean i'm intrigued by him but
1: nick that is a good point about the homer suppression in the minors and it's especially good because we need to recall that milwaukee's minor league affiliate is in colorado springs which is of course a notorious hitters park Mm -hmm. so if he was able to suppress homers there he might actually have the talent for it and you know that can help a guy who's got um, some walk issues and some control issues, avoid those big blowups. I mean, if I needed the pitcher, I could go around 15%, but I'm, I, I think, well, I mean, in, in all likelihood, the fab has run. So, and, and I don't think that 15% was probably enough to get it done. And in the event that you're in a weekly league and the fab didn't run yet, I don't know that 15% will be enough to get it done. Um, 90% fastballs. It's a bunch of different versions of that same pitch. Um, you know, he had some that cut, some that rose, but it, it was it was all a lot of the same um, type of pitch. And it's it sort of reminded me of Lance Lynn. Um, hmm. You know, I heard Bartolo Colon comps, but Lynn sort of does this with his fastball, and it's, it's he pitches it. You know he pitches it harder. He pitches it at a, you know, a sitting velocity. He takes a little bit off, not enough that it's a change up, but it's enough to, to fool hitters sometimes, or to get enough movement on the pitch that he can get the ground balls. Um, you know, whereas Bartolo kind of, Bartolo doesn't have the command of the pitch. Like he's throwing it at the center of the zone and letting the natural movement, take it out. I don't think that's the case where Peralta, Um, he, as Joe mentioned, he apparently has a slider as well, which is supposed to have good shape, uh, and questionable command. Um, you know, in terms of where he is, in terms of the rookie class, I think he's towards the back, um, you know, of the young pitchers that have come up. What do you
2: guys think of that? Yeah, I think I'd rather have Soroka Kingham, that group all ahead of him still. Yeah.
0: Okay. And The 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 K upside is extremely intriguing though.
1: Does Jordan Lyles' outing yesterday versus the Rockies throw shade on Peralta? And which do you prefer between Lyles and Peralta? Lyles. Lyles. Yeah, I I like Lyles, too. And let me just elaborate, and you guys can let me know if you guys agree. Um, He's he's actually doing something a little bit different.
2: Yeah, that's why I like him.
1: He's throwing the four-seamer, and he's basically scrapped the sinker. And I think that explains the increased effectiveness of his secondary stuff. Uh, I've seen a lot of people kind of brush him off because the velocity boost was more in the bullpen than when he started. But he's still throwing around 93, which is more than enough. Uh, So you give him the greater variety of pitches. You give him the park. You give him the fact that he's doing something different, which is resulting in better results. Um, And the fact that he's probably going to cost less than Peralta. Uh, You know, I don't think that there was a huge market for Lyles, like there was for Peralta. Do
0: you guys agree with that? And he doesn't walk guys,
2: which is nice. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's all about pitch mix, right? Because he's been up to he's been up to like the 35% fastball four-seamer usage in in his past, right? But he was using the sinker and he wasn't using really the curveball as much. Now, right in 2017, he was using the curveball a lot, but he was still using the sinker. Now he's worked himself over again, and now it's just curveball, fastball. And I think that's the combo that's going to work.
1: Yeah, and he's also starting to throw the change a little bit more. I know he didn't throw it a lot yesterday, but, um, you know, he's got that right up around 10%. And if that's a third pitch, um, oh, yeah. he's got a shot. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about his teammate, Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, Reyes has been tearing the cover off the ball with 14 homers at AAA, a three forty six, four 440 748 slash as a 22-year-old. Um, he came up earlier this week. What do you think about Reyes, and what sort of fab investment would you make if you needed some lineup pop?
0: Yeah, so he looks good. Um, he definitely looks good, obviously in AAA this year. But in years past, uh, the track record—you know—the numbers just don't match what he's done in, in the last season. Um, I—the—the the, the power is intriguing. I just—I'm not a big believer that the kid could eclipse 30 right away and he doesn't steal many bags uh i like him he's a bit boring for me at the moment but in the future he could definitely uh his power can progress and i need to see i'd like to see him steal some more bases because the one thing the numbers in AAA were good this year but he hasn't stole a bag and that was in in years past he was stealing you know 10 11 12 13
2: yeah so i think this is like a case of um of a guy uh, of, of us ranking guys based on, on strictly results. Um, I, I, there there's gotta be a reason why he was so far ranked in so many prospect lists. Um, granted, I, I didn't really do too much of my own research on him. I haven't seen him that much. I saw him, I saw him take a uh, swings yesterday and the day before, I think it was, um, and the at-bats were okay. He's striking out a lot right now. I mean, it's only been seven plate appearances. Um, I just have a good feeling that he's not going to be able to adjust to major league pitching. And I think there's got to be a reason why um, he was outside so many people's radar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason is that he struggled defensively. He's sort of a power-hitting player corner outfield type, and those guys are often underrated. Um, well, maybe maybe not underrated. They're properly rated, but they kind of fall under the radar in terms of prospect lists and the like because their offense has to reach a certain level for them to um, you know, get the opportunity at the major league level uh, because they don't offer anything defensively. The comp I've heard thrown around is Franchi Cordero without the speed and with a little more power. That sounds about right to me based upon what I've seen. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine making more than a small investment. I mean, he's an outfielder. Outfielder is the deepest position. It's a, uh, you've got a plethora of options out there in a 12 team mixer. Um, If you're getting deeper and you need the juice, uh, I can, I can buy it, you know, around a, five to 10% mark. But again, I think, um, although this guy didn't have the, um, the fanfare prior to the season, I think there was enough buzz about him coming up that you'll probably find yourself outbid at that level. And I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world, because I think that there's going to be, um, better opportunities ahead and I'd rather save the money for those opportunities. Okay, let's move it to a segment where we are calling Overlooked versus the Potentially Overhyped. And our first overlooked candidate is first baseman Hanley Ramirez. Joe, tell me what you've seen from Hanley at this point.
2: Yeah, so Hanley's cooled off a bit um, after his hot start, but I was actually watching the game yesterday, um, and he took some good cuts, and he had some good at-bats. Um And I'd actually take him over Bell the rest of the season, which I know you guys probably won't. Um, But just based on the fact that he's in the far superior lineup, um, so far, Hanley hasn't beaten barrels uh, per plate appearance and the 135 ISO on Bell isn't looking particularly too hot right now. I know we all like the approach generally with Bell, but at some point, it's got to start clicking. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. So I I think the concern with Hanley was the shoulder, um, and it's looked okay.
1: I just want to catch the listeners up. Josh Bell is our potentially overhyped.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry about that.
1: No problem. (laughs) Uh, Nick, what do you think about Hanley and Bell?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, listen, Hanley's a guy that uh, right before our draft, we we spoke about guys that creeped up our rankings, and I was like, man, Hanley, like – you know He's going to be in a good part of that lineup. You've got a ton of guys you get on base, and even if he struggles and he let's, let's say he gets injured, which is always a question mark with him, and he only plays 130 games, he's still going to accumulate really, really good counting stats um, because he's not going to hit for low average. He's going to hit the ball over the field. Last year he played through injury, and he still hit 20-plus home runs. I know the average was down, the OBP was down, but it wasn't. it really wasn't a bad season, and he was injured the whole season. He played through injury all year last year. Um, I know he's getting older and you can't say, oh, well, look at that year and look at that year. But the year before last, he had 30 home runs, 111 RBIs. He had a a really nice season. So I just, I I look at him and the power is still there. Uh, the plate discipline is still there. The guy knows how to get on base. He knows how to hit. He's around the best players in baseball right now. J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. And I don't know if there's a better lineup. Right now in baseball, besides the Yankees, non-biased. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, but when comparing him to Josh Bell, uh, I'd rather take Josh Bell, and I'm 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 starting to get a little what? nervous. That what? no, no, continue. It's,
2: I'm just surprised because you were just seeing Hanley's pretty no, no, I like I like Hanley, but come
0: on, I'm talking about Josh Bell here. Yeah, your it, uh, delusion. This is this is our new this is our new Brandon Belt on the show. We're gonna love him every year until he finally does it. But I'm a lot more confident in Belt because he's such a skilled hitter. Uh, he's a smart hitter. He's a big. He's he's got the power potential. I actually like the Pirate lineup. I really don't mind it as much as I did uh before the year started. I, I just think bell is the kind of guy that. we're going to see like 35 plus home run seasons with really good average, really good OPP. And lately he's turned it on the last couple of weeks. He's been going on base a lot more today. He got a big hit in a pitch, uh, a pitch hit situation. I I, I love bell. I'd rather have bell over Hanley.
1: Yeah. I think, I think when we're looking at Hanley in this context, it's sort of an indictment on first base. Um, The position has been pretty bad. um, And there's very little that I feel good about. Um, the top has been disappointing, uh, but I expect a lot of the top to bounce back. But I mean, even the middle has just been, you know, bad. So, I mean, it's really robbed the position of the depth that we thought it had to begin the year. And maybe the depth comes back. I mean, it is possible. Um, prior to the start of the season, I was pretty skeptical of Hanley, uh, the injury passed, the loaded lineup, the contract situation, uh, the general lack of interest that Hanley sometimes shows. Um, But he's been, he's been good. He's controlling the zone. Well, the K rates down, the swinging strike rate down, the contacts up. Um, The contact authority has been pretty good. He's got a good line drive rate, strong, hard contact percentage. He's stolen some bases. And the fact that, you know, he's running as much as he is indicates to me that he's feeling pretty good. And that means that he's healthy and that's always one of the big concerns when it comes to Hanley. Um, The lineup is obviously fantastic. Uh, He was a major value on draft day, and those that rolled the dice have turned themselves a nice early-season profit. And I don't have a basis to think that regression is going to be coming his way in any severe means um, other than a potential injury. With Bell, I I mean, and you comp the two, I think I take Hanley. there was some early season speculation that Bell might be changing his swing um, to hit more fly balls, tapping into his power. But he looks like the same hitter he was a year ago. His grounders are over 50%. He's got a league average-ish Babbit, He's got good discipline, but not much else. He's tried to run, but he's been caught. Um, the batted ball issues remain. He's a pulled grounder, oppo fly ball guy. And those issues have actually even gotten worse. Uh, last year we saw that he had a forty percent hard contact rate on fly balls. Um, right now, it's sub thirty percent. It's just—it's not a good look. Um, you know, I, I think I would much rather have Hanley, and I would not have said that on draft day.
2: I'm glad you—I'm glad you turned it around. I'm glad you're not getting sucked into the Josh Bell, Brandon Belt vortex like Nick is.
1: Yeah, but Brandon Belt is really good.
2: Yeah, I know. Brandon Belt is actually really good. Let's not not
0: get into Brandon Belt.
2: Yeah,
1: let's not jinx it. Knock on wood. Um, Okay, Cesar Hernandez is our next um, overlooked candidate, and he's going to be going against the potentially overhyped Ian Happ. Nick, do you want to kick us off?
0: Yeah, so we... Might as well change the name of this show to the CWO because we are all about Caesar. Um, this is a guy who is overlooked every single year in drafts, and he is friggin' awesome, man. You close your eyes, open them up mid-season, and the guy's got a friggin' three seventy plus OBP. That is elite. Um, and you know, with the speed and the way the Phillies have improved that lineup, Reese Hoskins is amazing. Uh, you've got guys who hit on that lineup now. Uh, the runs are coming. He's got 27 runs scored already. Uh, he could eclipse or get very, very close to 100 run- runs, which is the bread and butter mark. He had another home run today, so he's at, I think, five on the season right now. And if he could get to around the 18 home run mark, uh, this is kind of at a meet and light. And he was drafted when? In like round. 23 or something like that. Uh, the ADP was ridiculous. So, uh, I, I love Cesar Hernandez. It's going to keep up. There's no reason to think that this guy is going to start feeding out. He gets on base like a madman. He knows how to play baseball, hit the ball all over the field. I love him. He's the man.
2: Yeah. So, uh, we can't, we can't overlook the fact that the three of us all bought into the Ian Hat hype. Um, you we know. all did like Cesar Hernandez, too, so um we got to give ourselves credit. We got to pat ourselves on the back. But we definitely bought into the Ian Hapin. Patting five
1: hundred. it's not bad Joe.
2: and and it was because of uh, it was it was because of because of the plate discipline profile, we thought there was more there, specifically me and Pat. but man, it's bad. The contact's gone down, bad the in the zone contact's gone down. I, I mean, I know it's still small, relatively small sample. And it's only been, you know, 500 plate plate appearances through his career, but at some point we have to say this guy is all or nothing, and he's, he can't handle major league pitching.
0: He's got to go down. They have to send him down. This is really bad for his confidence. I don't know what the management is thinking. It, it now we're in mid-May, and it didn't work. Put him back down. Let him figure it out. This is this is not good for the kid. He's too young to be going through this.
1: Stop that- the damn fight. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of weird with Hap because you you look at the underlying numbers and particularly the the K rate and the contact issues, and you're like, oh, this is ugly. But then you kind of look at the counting stats and the average, which is being propped up by a 400 Babbitt, <laughs> And there is like, like, you could probably still sell Ian Hap for something I don't think so I think I mean I, I, mean, I think it depends on your league um, and maybe I'm you know I'm catering to leagues where um, you know you're you're not dealing with guys that are that into saber metrics or what or or advanced stats and you might be able to get away with it in that in that sort of context but yeah I mean for in terms of these two I think it's very easily say Hernandez. Um, you know, I, I, he's, he's looked fantastic. As Nick mentioned, he's on like a 20 Homer 27 steel pace, um, and pacing for well over 110 runs. Uh, that lineup is very good. He's at the top of it. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't score over a hundred runs if he stays healthy. Um, which has been the issue in the past. Um, he's got superb play discipline, Um, In fact, it's improved. The walk rate is up. It's almost double what it was last year. Um, I mean, of course you assume there's some regression coming with that kind of increase, Um, but the K rate is also up a bit. And I think that's a sign that he's trying to walk more and, you know, sort of working deeper into counts. And also trying to tap into his power. Uh, yeah. You know, the 18 homers, the, the the 18 to 20 homers he's pacing for would be double or more from last year's career high. Um, and the theory bears itself out if you dig deeper. The O swing is sub-20%. The swing percentage is at an all-time low. His contact is down a bit. And to me, that's a sign that he's swinging harder at good pitches. Um, the hard contact percentage is at 33%. The previous career high was 26%. His soft contact percentage also had his career low. So he's trying to hit the ball harder, and that's resulted in an increased power pace. And if he continues to do that, I expect that he's going to hit a new power ceiling this year. Okay, let's move it to third base. And let's talk about the overlooked Ryan Healy versus the potentially overhyped Miguel and Duhar. Nick, what happens?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, does someone want to start on Healy first?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll actually go first this time. Right. Um, so for those that invested and held on, despite the injury that he suffered in spring training, uh, Healy has rewarded you with um, an excellent power streak uh, in a small sample size. Uh, The strikeout rate is down. He still doesn't walk. Um, He's been hitting towards the back end of that lineup, but we can no out. I expect him to rise up a little bit, probably hit fifth or sixth. Um, The swing is really nice, geared towards line drives, uh, which will keep the BABIP high and has enough lift to get the power. Uh, The pull percentage at 48.5% up from last year, plus the hard contact is where the power is going to come from. Um, Despite the walk rate not reflecting it, Healy's been more selective at the dish. His O-swing is down, which is good because he's crushing in the zone. Um, The test will come when pitchers start to throw him more outside the zone, whether he'll have the discipline to be able to take a walk, get that walk rate up around 70%, or if he's going to swing at bad pitches and that's going to crater him. Um, With respect to Andujar, I'm taking Healy. Um, I think the Lusters wore off Andujar a little bit. He's not walking, um, he's striking out around 22% of the time, which isn't bad. But when you're walking low single digit percentage, um, you're really relying on your contact to come through. The contact profile hasn't been great. Lots of grounders. The authority is a mixed bag. Um, he, he's also hitting in the bottom third of the lineup. Um, he's been hitting mostly seventh recently. But Cliver Torres is hitting the cover off the ball. I think he might rise above him, and I, I just, I just think I would, I would rather have Healy because Healy's got the shot to move up. And although that Mariners lineup isn't the Yankees lineup, it is very good. Um, so I, I, I think that the volume plus the opportunity and and plus you know healy has had some major league track record of success and Dehar came up was red hot and has cooled since and you know that yankee team is very deep if he if if he falls further off i don't know that they won't hesitate to send him back down and call back up drury or put walker into the lineup in his place
0: uh yeah so i'll start with the juhar um First of all, shocker. In regards, in what'd you say, Joe? A shocker. <laughs> um, in regards to the walk rate, I know it's low single digit right now, but I think that's gonna go up. Uh, you look at that number in years past, and he's hovered around like just over five percent, whether it be six, seven, which isn't a bad number. It's a lot more healthy than uh, two. I think he's at right now, or two point something. Yeah, he was um, at two
1: point something.
0: Yeah, so I, I expect that number to go up. Um, and what I've seen from Andujar is he's got a major, major power swing. I think the pop potential for him is through the roof. Uh, and I know that another negative that you brought up was that he's back at the end of the Yankee lineup. But if you're anywhere in the Yankee lineup, you're going to produce. It, it's, it's a stacked lineup, one through nine. Greg Bird is coming back uh, probably this week or next week. Once he comes back, it's another guy who could hit for pop. Um and and Duhars advance looked really good right now. He's got thirty five percent hard contact, but a ninety point five four average exit velo, uh, which is really nice. Um, and he's been getting all the big hits for the Yankees. I'm a fan of him. I think he's going to be awesome as the year rolls along. Uh, Ryan Healy was a guy that we, I think we all liked coming up. Uh, just you know, a really smart hitter in the minors. Uh, didn't quite pan out in Oakland, but. Uh, now he's hitting his stride, and uh, I'm a fan of Healy's as well. I would definitely rather have in I think the ceiling is higher, but Healy's a guy that I like, and he won't hurt you in any particular category. Uh, category. He's a nice. He has a nice safe floor, unless he gets hurt, obviously.
2: So I'll kind of split the difference and go the cheaper out here, but I still think they're both hold guys. Um, I, I agree with Pat that I think that Andrew Har. Um could theoretically get sent down, especially considering how well Torres is hitting the ball, as Pat mentioned. Um, and there's Drury and Walker lurking. Right? So those are all real possibilities. But with that said, um, all the changes that Healy's making uh, look really good. Pat, you highlighted most of them, so I won't repeat that. Um, at the same time, to add a little bit, both Healy and Anduhar Nick, you mentioned exavilo but they're both, um, in the top 85 of barrels per plate appearance, which is good. So, um, when they're both making contact, they're both making good, solid contact. Um, I think the, the price that you invested in Healy probably was fairly minimal. So you'd want to hold on and, and too. I mean, if he gets to a hot streak, it is Yankee stadium after all. So if he gets on a hot streak, um, you know he can have he could string together a couple of good weeks and then all this is forgotten. So he,
1: he could be MVD.
2: Ouch! <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> nah, we love you, Andy. Yeah, we love <laughs> you, Andy.
1: And that's and that's really a shot at Nick, not Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so Joe, uh, gun to your head. Which one do you prefer?
2: Uh, Healy, because he's got more experience.
1: Okay. All right, our next pair, the overlooked Eduardo Escobar or the potentially overhyped Scott Kingery.
0: Was was Eduardo Escobar really that overlooked? Was he like undrafted this year going into drafts? Yeah. In, in most mixed leagues, certainly.
2: Yeah, and we've been preaching his name since like week two.
0: Well, I haven't been preaching his name. Maybe you have, so you could tell the you could start then with him. Yeah, so yeah, I'm Nick like,
1: hasn't been mentioning him because he doesn't play for the New York Yankees. <laughs> Shut up.
2: Yeah, so uh right, he's in the top eighty-five barrels per batted ball event. Good check mark. Um playing time, which was kind of the big issue coming in, but he's got that check mark. Um there's gonna be some batting average regression as he's not really a three thirty BAPIP guy but he's just a good, solid fantasy shortstop who doesn't hurt you anywhere. Um, Kingery, on the other hand, is bound to have his ups and downs as he's a rookie hitter, as we all know. Um, He really didn't need much more seasoning in the minors, so he's just going to have to make adjustments against the more advanced big league pitching. Um, I don't know if he'll figure it out this year. Um, Like Joey Gallo, though, Kingery has a little bit of a K percentage improvement after a second time through a level, so this might be a sort of thing that Kingery kind of just struggles this year and has to figure things out, and then next year is a great buy candidate.
1: Yeah, I share that. Go ahead. ahead. Okay, I I I share in that analysis, especially when it comes to Kingery. um, You know, I I think that this is one where you sort of have to couch it um, as I think I prefer Escobar this year, um, but that doesn't mean I'm out on Kingery in the long term. Uh, I do think that Kingery has quite a bit of talent and will be a uh, very good fantasy asset before long guys with his sort of power speed potential. Don't come along very often these days. Um, you combine that with, uh, what will be a profile that will carry pretty much every position on the diamond short of first base and catcher. He's, um, he's going to be a valuable asset probably next year in standard mixers. Uh, With that said, I think that Escobar uh, has shown um, that he can be a asset this year um, and uh, another player with very good eligibility, depending on what your requirements are. Um, He's got second, third, and short across um, 10 games played formats. Uh, He's a bat that's going to pace to about low 20s power, kick in five, six steals, and hit for a pretty decent average. The, um, the play discipline isn't great, but I can live with that at short in particular. He's hitting the ball very hard with a ton of line drives and then also fly balls to boot. The line drives will help correct any kind of BABIP issues that come with the fly balls. The power is not a joke. Um, and I mentioned the plate discipline, but he's also walking more than he has in the past and the K rate is flat, so there is some upside there in terms of plate discipline, plus he's hitting in the middle of a pretty good lineup overall in terms of overall talent. I know they aren't off to the best start, but he's going to get opportunities, and he's going to hit right around fifth or sixth. That makes him a pretty good source for RBIs.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with both of you. I think we're on the same page where Escobar is definitely the safer player right now for the rest of the season, Kingery has more upside, but we're just not sure if he's there yet. Um, I, I see Kingery as a potential 2020 guy in the future, uh, and, I, and I like the player. I don't know if he's ready this year. I, Escobar is a bit on the vanilla side, a little bit, um, but he's a safe play at the position. So uh, I think we all kind of share the same sentiment with these guys.
1: Okay, let's move to the overlooked Corey Dickerson versus the potentially overhyped Adam Jones. Uh, Joe, you want to kick us off with this one?
2: Yeah. So Adam Jones had all the makings of a profile that was just going to fall off a cliff one year. Um, I'm pretty sure we all had discussed this or mentioned that at some point, or kind of were into that at some point. He still managed. Uh, he still has managed six home runs, but at a very typical Adam Jones-like minuscule walk rate. Dickerson, on the uh, on the other hand, is still chasing over forty percent of the time. But he's making phenomenal contact in the zone. Um, I think Dickerson is really just in the middle of one of Dickerson's. Um, he's uh, so weird. Yeah, he's just in w- one of his hot streaks. And he's it's only Corey
1: Dickerson hot?
2: Yeah, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't think of it. But yeah, he's Corey Dickerson hot right now. And then it's only a matter of time until we go Corey Dickerson cold. Um, they're both players, generally speaking, that you'll need to write out hot streaks. Um, but I wouldn't want to have to rely on either of them.
0: Um, what's so bad about Adam Jones right now? He's not playing that bad.
2: Well, I mean, he doesn't help at all in OPS leagues. Um, he and, doesn't steal, and he's down to like two fifty nine. I, I know, but the, the, that lineup is terrible. The lineup's terrible. Yeah, I mean, he might, the he lineup, might like, dude, he might terrible. scratch like. 140 combined runs in RBIs. That's if he's like lucky. Um all
0: right, but still the bat all right, let's call the batting average 260. It's not that far off where where he's been in years past. I mean last year, yeah, he batted 285, but years before that, 265, 269. So the batting average is not that far off at all. As far as the power numbers with six home runs right now at 173 plate appearances. Uh, he's still right around pacing out for like 25, like 25 plus, which is where he's also been. I mean, I think he is what he is. I, I don't see that much of a fo- uh, a cliff that Joey, that you spoke of. I know the, 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 walks are down, but it's still early enough where I don't know. I think, and, and, and if you look at his years past, I'm going to say it again, the walk rate has been up and up and down every single year, year after year. So I think he is what he is. Um, I think we're going to look at very similar numbers to last year as far as the counting stats go, which were uh, 80-ish runs, 75-ish RBIs. Uh, But it's going to come with like 25-plus home runs and a 260 average. Yeah, listen, he plays the outfield, and those numbers are not sexy in the outfield at all, especially when he's not giving you any speed whatsoever. Um, And a 277 OBP right now. That's really bad. But I I just – I wouldn't say that he's having such a down year. I think he's having a kind of an Adam Jones esque year. Okay, who I mean, would
1: you who would you rather have
0: Dickerson or Jones? Yeah. Um, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of either guy. You don't you don't have to couch it that way.
1: Who would you rather have? It's Dickerson
0: uh, for me. He gets he gets you
2: some steals. He'll walk a little bit, and I think they'll end up at the right around the same number of home runs.
0: Yeah, I guess I'll go with Dickerson just because I like the team better. And and Uh Dickerson, despite still
2: chasing a shit ton, right? So the the K percentage is likely going to go up. At least he's making improvements, right? In the contact, I mean, he's making like legitimate improvements in the contact,
0: yeah. And he's still young, like, he's only 28, so the improvements may stick, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Dickerson, like, and I I'm not even sure it's that close. Um, the K rate is way, like that way down,
2: it is way man. down, but it's definitely way not gonna stay
1: down. Way. Well, I don't know. Let me let me let me run through my analysis and see if I can change your mind on that.
2: All right, all right, so.
1: I mean, and I don't think it's going to stay at 10%. But I agree. But yeah. I do.
2: Th- so I think it's going to. It's not going to be as high as it's been in the past. Right. So it's going to go up.
1: Yeah. It's going to go up. And he's 24% last year, Which 22% is for his career. Which is so solid. he's not a guy that's got major K problems to begin with. Yeah. But if he's going to be around like 17%. he he could be in really good shape. Um, Really really good. (laughs) (laughs) Babbitt right now is in line with his career average. He's got lots of line drives, 30% 30 plus. Uh, An all-fields approach. He's running again, which Joe hinted at. He's got three steals. Um, The question is going to be whether he can keep the contact up. Now, he's always shown really good bat the ball skills. Uh, It's why he's been able to survive with that outside the zone swing percentage of 40 plus percent throughout his whole career. Um, To me, that normally makes a player an extremely volatile asset because swings outside the zone are normally lower contact rate and often result in worse contact. But Dickerson has the ability to hit pitches outside the zone. He's always done it. And, He's been above average at that for his entire career. What really matters is that Dickerson really struggled versus fastballs last year and historically has had some issues with the pitch, but this year he's been hitting them really well. If that keeps up and he can hit the pitches inside the strike zone like he currently is, which is probably directly correlated because the fastballs are going to be in the zone, he's going to be a major value from when he was drafted. Um, You know, he's going to be like a 280 plus hitter with high 20s homers. If he gets up around 10 steals and he's hitting in the middle of that lineup, he's going to be a very nice piece. He's going to return value based on where he was. Whereas, and I think this is the point with Adam Jones, Adam Jones is still being drafted like as like a top 35, 40 outfielder. Was he really? Yeah, he's not going to return
0: that value. Well, name power. So that's that's what ends up happening.
2: Nick, it was, it was Dickerson, right? You, you, you chose Dickerson over
0: Jones. Yeah, I'm taking Dickerson. Just, I'm taking him because of age on the team. That's
2: it. Okay. Let's move it to the
1: overlooked Mitch Haniger versus the potentially overhyped Christian Yelich.
2: Pat, You have to take this one. Yeah. Okay.
1: I will, I will kick it off and I will talk about Mitch Haniger. Um, the power stroke has cooled a little bit but he's still hitting and he started running. He's got three steals now. The hard contact rate is floating around 40%. He's still posting a solid walk rate. The BABIP at 326 is below where it was last year and just above his career average. Um I mean if you split it up over three seasons, we've got about thir- we've got about 700 plate appearances of Mitch Haniger. That's resulted in 31 homers, eight steals, 275, 352, 495. Um, I think Mitch is very much for real. I would not be shocked if that's the line we end up with for the full season. You know, 31 homers, right around eight to 10 steals, and a 275 average. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe even a little bit better than that, considering the fact that last year, um, and, and that makes up a large portion of that sample. He was hurt. Um, and you know, he was coming back from the injury. I, I suspect that he was rushing back because he wasn't the same player. Um, he's also been batting sixth a lot with the, a, a lot, but with the injury slash suspension to Cano, um, he's going to be batting more in the five or three hole, um, the counting stats are already rock solid with a 200 run plus RBI pace. I expect that will get a little bit better based upon the lineup spot improvement. Uh, I still think the projection systems are a little light on the batting average. Uh, I'm going to take the 700 plate appearance sample and say that he's a 320 BABIP guy, true talent. Um, they project him right around 300. Um, And when you compare him to Yelich, I mean, Yelich's numbers are a little suppressed by the injury that he suffered, but full season, he's pacing out to right around 15 to 17 homers, 10 steals, and he's hitting 287.
0: It's very, Um, very Yelich-like. Yelich is who we thought
2: he is. Yeah,
1: there hasn't been the fly ball increase we thought might come with arriving in Milwaukee. Um, The ground ball fly ball rate has flatlined. Um, it's not even improving like it has in years past. He's at 2.25. Our contact percentage is still very good, um, but without more balls in the air, I'm not sure it matters. Um, it's tough to predict beyond a 20-homer mark. So if you give him 20 homers, 10 steals um, for the full season with a 285 batting average, that's probably below what Hanager is going to give you. Um I I certainly think that Yelich has the higher floor um, overall. So, I mean, if this is a floor versus upside comparison and you need the floor, I take Yelich. But, I mean, if I'm looking for upside, uh, I think I'm taking Mitch Haniger.
0: Yeah, so I think that right now Yelich is like a really, really good buy low, even though he's not playing that bad because he was going so high in drafts this year. This is a guy who was getting drafted sometimes in the third round. Mostly, I think his ADP was like in the high 40s, low 50s. Pat, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's
1: probably about accurate. And he was probably sneaking into the top 40 around the end and of
0: the this. And everybody was on this thing that, you know, the change of ballparks, which obviously there's a big difference uh, between Miami and Milwaukee, that he's going to hit for more power to this, that, and the other thing. It's a great lineup, this blah, 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 blah. But the numbers have stayed the same. I think the person that paid, uh, you know, who made that big investment on Yelich is starting to panic that he's not going to be this breakout player and that he's going to be 18-16. Um, so I think he could be had pretty cheap right now. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. But, I mean, I'm targeting in some, him in some leagues. I think that, like Pat mentioned, the, the injury, the oblique injury, definitely saps power. But maybe as the year goes on, that injury wears off and he gets fully healthy and he starts hitting him out. I think it's – I still think it's going to come for Yelich. Uh, I feel like he's going to have a monster second half. I, it's just a gut feeling. Um, and I, I'm buying. I'm buying in all formats. I love the player. As far as Haniger goes, you guys hear me mention OBP a lot. That's like the first thing I look at when I look at a player, OBP, walks. And he's that guy. I mean, you look at his uh, resume from now until when he was in triple in single A, he gets on base, he walks, he's a smart hitter. Uh, I like all those things. It's the reason why I like Scooter Jeanette, and he turned his swing into power. With Hanegar, I think we're seeing the same thing, although he ha- kind of always has had the power. Now that he has a real role and that he's healthy, I, I think sky's the limit. Um, I think he's a guy that could get to thirty-five plus home runs. It's going to come with a really, really good, healthy three-fifty-plus OBP. The walks, he doesn't strike out much. Uh, it's going to come with good RBIs. I, I'm totally buying in, and honestly, I wasn't that high on him. I'm going to give Pat credit here. Pat's been on him for a while. Uh, I'm totally jumping on the on, on the Hanniger train. So you mentioned
2: getting Yelich on the cheap. Um, yeah. I've got two for you. Two two traits for you. So mm-hmm. the first is they're they're both multiplayer deals. So so bear with me. But the first is Yelich and Lester. Mm-hmm. Yelich and Lester for Paxton and Gallo. Oh, uh, Let's go batting average league first.
1: Batting average league. I still, still I still think I want Paxton and Gallo. Yeah, I still
0: want Paxton Gallo.
2: Okay, I, I thought that might change things, but I actually agree with you guys. So it's Paxton and Gallo no matter what.
1: But I think, I think the Paxton-Lester gap is so significant that it sways me in either in, in either scenario.
2: I, I agree, right? But I think that the point of bringing up this trade is that Yelich isn't going to come cheaply, right? So this the second deal is Yelich. This is a kind of like a, a very Nick deal, but Yelich... Clippard and Arietta for Charlie Blackman.
0: Oh no, I want Blackman. Yeah, uh, um, I do. Arietta, You know what? Nah, Arietta, I want I, Blackman. Yeah, I want
2: Blackman. He's the best player in the deal. Well, yeah, the third guy
0: Blackman. in that deal? It was Black uh, Arietta. Clippard. No, he's.
2: It's a throw-in. No, yeah. But uh, but but again, right? So the point is, Nick, is that um, he's still pretty expensive, and owners owners that paid up for him want the return that they paid up for him for.
0: I think. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm Pat, I'm curious. I'm we should have put Ozuna on this list tonight. I know we're going off topic, but Marcel or uh, Roberto. Marcel, so I just want to pause for a second and yeah, the sure. guy has been because because the reason why I'm bringing him up now is because I've always looked at him and Yelich. not that they're similar players, but that their outcomes are complete mysteries. We've always called them the mystery boxes. And at this point Ozuna is not looking any better in fact he is getting worse and worse and worse by the day so this is obviously a really nice buying opportunity for Ozuna are you guys buying that he's going to turn it around like how what have you seen from Ozuna because what I see is he is lost at the plate okay so I'm kind of at the point now where I was an Ozuna lover and I was like I'm going to buy I'm going to buy and now I'm like I don't even know if I want any part of this guy. Okay,
2: so uh, let me let me, let me me chime in here, right? Because in 2016, right, in our home league, I owned Azuna when he had, like, a mini-ish breakout, right? Um, sort of. Um, and I had the opportunity to keep him very inexpensive, inexpensively, right? And I decided to forego that. Probably a foolish mistake, right? Because in 17, he, he really broke out. But with that said, man, like, he... I don't know what it is, but like I I really do think that Barry Bonds like invigorated his career and without having him, he's just lost. I I know it's like super like it's super anecdotal and not hard science-y, but um I, I mean he is he is the original mystery box for a reason.
1: Yeah. I'm still willing to buy on Ozuna. And the primary reason why I'm willing to buy is for a point that Nick made a couple of weeks ago. I think when we talked about Ozuna, which is he's really had one good full season. Yeah, good and is an understatement,
0: though. It's an understatement.
2: Well, it was okay. Well, it was like JD-esque. Okay, it's you're like a JD Martinez. You're season.
1: you're you're not seeing the forest for the trees right now. The point is fine. Sure. That season was great, but. It happened once and the same way we've called him the mystery box is the same way everybody else is looking at him and saying, what is the deal with this guy? He should be better than he is. Like we were saying before last year. And because he only did it once, people don't have the level of confidence in him that they have in players that have done it on more than one occasion. You know, like a Paul Goldschmidt, for instance, um, people are nervous about Ozuna. And I think unlike Yelich, you could get him pretty cheap. And because the acquisition costs, I anticipate being relatively low. I mean, I think it's a pretty good shot to take.
0: So that's, that's my question. Like, so like before we started the podcast, I was looking at his, his advanced, like his O swings, Z, everything Z swing, swing percentage, everything swinging strike, and they're all right in line with last year. Like maybe just a bit higher, like a bit higher here and there, but they're all not – nothing is far off at all. So the approach looks exactly the same. And after looking at it, I just can't figure out what's wrong. Well, um, I, I watched – I, I want to say I watched yeah. a lot of the Cardinals this year after, I, because I, I'm Jose Martinez's owner. I have Jack Flaherty. I enjoy watching the Cardinals. And like I said, he just kind of looks completely lost at the plate right now. Um, so are, my question is, are you guys buying low on Ozuna bottom line? And Joe, in in the meantime, can you pull up some Ozuna trades? I'm just curious what's happening with him right now.
2: Okay. So I'll I'll pull up some trades, but I do want to add, I think I have somewhat of a reason, um, why he, he struggled so much. And despite, um, despite some of the advanced stats looking pretty good, but let's run through the trades first. So um all right, so I got Ozuna for Adam Eaton and Addison Russell. There's by the way, there's a shit ton of Ozuna trades. So yeah, everyone's sure. got the same idea that, that we do. So I love the
0: Ozuna side of that.
2: Ozuna for for Eaton and Russell.
1: Oh yeah, definitely Ozuna. That's what I mean. The price is low. Okay. What else
0: you have? Ozuna for Arietta. See that's a good trade. That's a perfect trade right now. I'd still rather have Ozuna. But
1: I that's a think good, I'd rather have Ozuna.
0: That's okay. the line. I think Ariet is a good line right now.
2: Go yeah, on, that is, is a good line. Ozuna and Eduardo Escobar for Castellanos and Gleyber Torres. That's a Ozuna. good trade.
0: That's a good trade. That's um, a good trade. Yeah. That is a good trade. I, I, Torres. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ozuna. Ozuna. I take that Ozuna side. All right.
1: Okay. Let's uh, let's get oh. back to the wait.
2: Sec- uh, wait. 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 So oh. so so Nick. So you mentioned you're not sure why, and I think the reason is is actually built into the launch angle, right? So the hard hit rate has always been sky high, and it's actually highest now. But the problem it's like almost fifty percent, which is ridiculous. The problem is is that his barrels. He's like like 140th or something like that, I think, per per plate appearance, which isn't bad, right? But it's just that a lot of that hard contact is probably not pull fly balls, which is what you want. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's always been a guy that's been very um, up the middle.
0: Sorry for going off topic. No, no problem. No, it was was good. It was good. He He needed to be spoken about.
1: Okay, so let's take a look at the potentially overhyped Brett Gardner versus the overlooked David Peralta. Joe, I want you to kick us off on this because I know you've been watching David Peralta.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to start with Gardner first. So I, I think I'm—I thought I was going to be wrong about the plate appearances on Gardner. I still think so. Um, I was like around four, four fifty. Um, I think he'll probably eclipse that now.
1: He had that in April.
2: <laughs> with, that, with, with that said, though, everything totally. is going everything's going wrong for him, and everything is going right for Peralta. And um, it looks more or less like Gardner has been a bit unlucky, but Peralta, Peralta, on the other hand, is actually making legitimate changes across the board, which is what I like to see. Um, he's decreased the chase chase rate, increased the hard hit rate, increased the fly ball percentage. Um, and I think someone over in Arizona must whispered the same things to to Pollock as Peralta because he just looks he just looks really really dialed in right now, and he's healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean Peralta is sort of an interesting parallel to Yelich. I think um, he's he's definitely been more up and down than Yelich has been throughout his career, and lacks the pedigree. But he's a high average middling power type who can run a little bit and produce good run production. Um, this year, he's ticked up the fly balls and been rewarded with six homers. The hard contact percentage is outstanding. Um, and that's shown in the result. He's got a 21.9% homer to fly ball rate. Um, that points to regression. He's been a 13.8% guy in his career. Um, he's swinging a little bit less. But missing a little more in the zone, um, as I mentioned with Hernandez, I think that might be a case of just swinging differently, swinging harder, trying to tap into the power, Agreed. and it's, it, it's, it's a good thing. So um, he doesn't run as much as he probably could. Um, you know, he has what we like to call on this podcast, sneaky speed. Um, he's always been very good at taking an extra base. He's been a very good triples player, um, but he's been reluctant to steal bases. I think the power is going to hit a new career high, barring injury. So Like what? Um I think rest of the season he's looking at 13 14 homers, 295 steals. Um so he's going to get up pretty around 20 homers. Um yeah. with, you know, I guess 7 8 steals and a really nice batting average hitting at the top of a pretty good lineup.
3: Hmm
2: which is almost quite literally what everyone paid for for Yelich.
1: Yeah. So that comp
2: was actually really strong.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's been the consistency. Um, Okay. And then when it comes to Gardner, I mean, I own Gardner. I think Nick and I were pretty vocal about our support for Gardner before the season began. Um, And, you know, I've, I've, Said it to you guys several times offline. I keep laughing about it. He's hitting 227, but he scored 32 runs (laughs) full season. He's on a 120 run pace Um, and he hasn't hit.
0: So what's going to happen if he he actually starts to hit, but somehow he has a 350 OBP. He's walking like exactly. He's
1: walking like a madman. He's always been a player. That's got very good um, discipline and understanding of the strike zone. Um, in terms of you know the the batting average, the line drive rate is a little down. The home run to fly ball rate is way down, but it's Yankee Stadium. I mean, you're going to see some regression there for him in the positive sense. Um, the BABIP is a little low, but as Nick mentioned, he's walking plenty. The K percentage is not an issue. Um, I think it's just a slow start. Um, injury always works lurks for him, but you know. Do you, you factored that into the cost that you paid? I
0: don't know about that. I don't. I don't believe that. I, I. I'm sorry. I. I don't buy that at all. That injury. What do you mean injury always is lurking for Gardner? Like well, he gets dinged up here and there, but like he never misses a substantial amount of time. He did it one year, I think, when he broke his thumb, slide into second. But other than that, he's been relatively healthy. He'll just miss games here and there and play through it. That's sure. that's what I meant.
2: Okay. Yeah, wait, can, can I – add? this is like perfect topic because, Nick, I wanted to ask you, right, the last time he was seriously injured was in 16, and it sapped all his power. So do you think that there's a potential that he might be dinged up right now? No. That we don't know about? Okay, no, you no, haven't seen anything.
0: No, he's having – right now, his approach is very different than years past. He's not swinging uh, – like right now, his swing percentage is 32.9 and last year the year before that the last five years combined it was at like 37.2 so he's just not swinging it he's being a lot more patient he's not swinging at enough pitches the O swing percentage is way down to 18.3 percent where it was at 21 last year 24 the year before that uh so there's some type of change that he's made this year i don't know what it is it's not working so uh, he may go back to his old ways and and start being a little bit more aggressive at the plate if this doesn't work. Yeah, regardless, he's still getting on base at 350 OBP. Which, uh, if you're if you're the Yankee manager, that's all you really care about is the OBP getting him on base in front of Judge Stanton and and company. Um, I I do like Gardner. I, I, I've spoken recently recently about how I I want Hicks at the top of the lineup. And Pat's like, oh, you don't like Gardner? If you want Hicks there, I'm like. That argument is ridiculous, but we're not going to get into that right now. Um, go ahead, Pat. No, I was just going to say that you're you're you're
1: mischaracterizing my my argument. My argument is.
2: So we're getting into it.
1: Yes, we're getting yeah. into it. <laughs> my argument is that you can't you can't like both from a fantasy perspective. Gardner's value is tied directly to him. Hitting leadoff and wait, wait and and I and I misspoke because you were saying oh Hicks Hicks is going to hit leadoff and if you're saying Hicks is going to hit leadoff then you can't like Gardner from a fantasy perspective and that is bullshit. It's not all of Gardner's value is tied to hitting at the top of this lineup.
0: How does he have? How does he have value hitting ninth in this lineup? All right. First of all, is he automatically going to get shifted to the ninth spot? No, that's no. Okay.
2: So where are uh, you getting
0: Seventh. I'm. Not, listen. All I said was <laughs> I'd rather see I'd rather see Hicks at leadoff. Okay. It's that's not, not what slander. you said. Liar.
1: What did I say?
0: What did I say? <laughs> I told you what you said. What did I say?
1: You said that Gardner stinks and that Hicks <laughs> is going to be hitting leadoff. <laughs>
0: Hey, listen, listen. With, with Hicks, all right. Listen, I, I Hicks is this? A, I have a man crush on the guy. What I see from him, it's like thirty twenty potential in the future. The guy looks amazing right now. He put on major muscle in the offseason. It hasn't panned out this year yet. I'd much rather see him batting leadoff right now than guard. All right, it's another power bat at the top of the lineup. You put Judge, you switch hitter. Have we have we talked
1: about every player on the Yankees tonight?
0: Probably what is going on,
2: dude?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm putting it into this right now. Go ahead. Oh wait, what a surprise! Nick gave up on that real easy because the next guy we're going to talk about <laughs> is his favorite player on the planet, <laughs> the overlooked Sean Newcomb versus the potentially overhyped Kenta Maeda. Nick, tell us about Sean Newcomb. That wasn't him blowing his showers. nose.
3: <laughs>
0: um. Yes, Sean Newcomb. Um. I. I've probably watched ninety-five percent of his starts this year. Uh. One of my favorite young pitchers in baseball. I think I was the most vocal about him than any other, uh, young pitcher in baseball this season. Um. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the about the player. He has absolutely ridiculous breaking stuff. He has been unstoppable at, over the last month. I, I don't have his stats in front of me, which is I wish I did because they're insanely impressive. I believe he has a sub two ERA along with like a one point zero five ish whip. What, when do you uh, want? It, when? Just pull up like his last month, the last month, like his last like five stars.
2: Type in arbitrary endpoint. Alright, in May he has a zero ERA through nineteen innings. <laughs> he's
0: so good. Um but yeah, listen, the command has been better, the control has been better, and what I've said with Nukem is if he could find a little bit of improvement in those two categories, then he can be a really, really solid pitcher. I right. confident to Robbie Wait Robbie Ray with higher upside. <laughs> Yo, every <What>? time again <laughs> What? Yo, oh, Robbie <laughs> <Ray>? Way <laughs> i i a little baby. Unbelievable. Um, but with Sean Newcomb, um, listen, the, the Braves are for real. I told you guys. I told you. Pat, I want your credit right now, damn it.
1: Well, I'll say this. It's May 15th, and you look correct.
0: Yes. Okay, thank the, you. The pitching staff has been better than I thought. It's May 16th. Yeah, but they but let's stick with Nukem for a second. Um I texted I, I texted you Pat the other day to tune in. I wanted you to just like watch him live to just like get your thoughts. Cause I know you know you, you read Sabre a lot and you were kind of like eh on Nukem. So everyone knows I love him. So you tell me what you've seen from Nukem. and what do you think about him going forward? Well listen, he's got
1: the sort of profile that I like a lot, which is he's got K's he's over 10 per nine and he's got the ground balls. He's close to 50%. Um, that's what I want to see in my pitchers. Um, he's also suppressing hard contact at a good rate. He's found the change up, um, and he's using it. Um, and I think that's making his fastball more effective. Um, now, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. The walks are still still an issue. He's over four per nine. He's at 4.24. Um, that still exists. Uh, with the K rate, he can live at that level. Um, but there's going to be some blowups. Plus, I think the career level, 4.85 walks per nine, might be a little more accurate considering his zone percentage is down year over year. So I think there might be some more walks coming. Um, the BABIP is low. Uh, he's a career 308 guy. Um, when you factor in the 100 innings from last year, um, that's reflective of what he was in the minors as well. So if you add 50 points of BABIP with the walks, you can see how the 2.51 ERA can quickly get to 3.50+. plus. Um, but, the Homer, let me go finish. Ahead. Go ahead. Can I finish?
0: You're, you're getting I, to it now. Can I finish
1: the Homer to fly ball rate seems a little light considering what a bandbox Atlanta has been. Um, so I think there's some regression here. I'm not sure it's to the extent the projection systems have it. They have them up, have him up over a four ERA. I'm willing to put Nukum in a 3.5 to 3.75 ERA class with 10 K per nine. Um, that's really, that's good. a valuable pitcher. Um, it's certainly a profit on where people had him. Um, but here's, here's another caveat with that though. I think it's going to be difficult avoiding Newcomb's blowups because they will come, um, because his blowups are going to be much more a function of his own fault than they will be his opponent. Um, he's gonna walk guys. He's gonna give up a big bomb, um, or a couple of big bombs, and that's going to balloon his ERA. And I'm not sure it's going to be up against um, a obvious sit situation. Like I could see it happening against the Mets. Um, I could see it happening against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, a matchup where you wouldn't necessarily think to
0: sit him. See. The only here's where you're wrong though, you keep bringing up that how, how he's going to give up these home runs, but I know that this year it's low, but every year it's low. I don't know if you looked at his home run totals like since he's been in minor league ball, but they're elite level, he does not give up the long ball at all. Um, so I don't think the walks will kill his ERA like a guy like Robbie Ray and a guy like Mike Felton evitz and these guys who you know can fall victim to giving up the long ball. This is where Newcomb kind of. Stands alone, where he does not give up any home runs at all ever, and he hasn't done it in any year that he has played professional baseball.
1: Well, last year he was at .9, and right now he's at .58.
0: Well, and then yeah, but all right, point nine was a very small sample. What was the sample last? That was a hundred
1: innings, and right now he's at forty six.
0: Yeah, and point nine isn't isn't honestly that bad. But then go to go you know wait. wait. All right, so 0. 0.9 in, in 100 innings, but then look at years passing the minors. I just think that he's more of like a 0.7-ish. But it's also about the ballpark.
1: You know, like that that home yeah, park is induce, not good.
0: But if you induce ground balls, you induce ground balls.
1: I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you on the ground balls, but... He, uh, my point is, I—I I mean, you're acting like the only point that I made was about the was about the, no. the
0: home runs. Well, no, you're saying no. What you said was, and this is what I'm this is what I'm correcting you is that you're saying that the walks are going to ha- he's going to you're so confident that he's going to have these blow up starts It's going to be hard to live with because of the walks. But he could walk guys. That's not
1: what I said. I, I said that but, he was going to be valuable. I just said it's going to be difficult to predict when his blow up starts are going to come.
0: Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and can U- uh, <laughs> yeah
2: so i mean at represents a really good buy low opportunity uh he's just been absurdly unlucky he's he's managed to curve the home runs um like our friend sean newcomb um he's up the k's a bit and he's getting back to death at 384 Yeah, but don't you think he's sort
1: of earned some of that bad luck? Uh, He's got a 26 percent line drive percentage against a 38 percent hard contact percentage against. He has zero pop ups. He has not. He's not surrendered an infield fly yet this year. What? Uh, He's got a 3.25 walks per nine. That's up from his career average. Um, Listen, I I mean, like I think Mate is going to get it cleaned up. But he's been hittable, and that's why his numbers are out of whack. Um, I think if you can get his contact back in order, there's nothing that makes me think he won't be a useful arm. Um, you know, among the two, I think I would still rather have Meta, and I, and the and I think the best part about the comp cool. is that I can probably, if I was the Newcomb owner, trade for Meta and maybe get a sweetener on top.
0: Hmm. Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh in on Meta real quick. Can you pull up Newcomb deals while I, while I speak about Meta real quick? Newcomb, sure. Um, yeah, cause it may be, maybe there's people selling high right now. I'm just curious as to what they're buying. So I get an there's, idea. There's Where's
2: a the lot of deals. There? Um,
0: so yeah, as far as, uh, as far as, as far as Meta goes, we were all fans of Kenta Meta going into the year. Um, Last year, he looked great. The, uh, the K rate went up. This year, yeah, uh, the ERA is up to 4.75, but the K rate around 11.50 is, I mean, it's gone up every single year since he's been in the league. Uh, so, and I'm a believer in the breaking stuff. I like Mater a lot. The only problem I have with him is, the only worrisome thing is, he was so amazing out of the pen last year that if this ERA does not go down soon, And he's rocking a four-five, in like mid-June, he's got a real chance to go into the pen. See, I uh, I don't
2: necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like, I know it's a bad thing for owners in wins and quality starts, but I think ratios, it won't be a bad thing. And he'll still probably uh, get like three to to five to six innings a week.
0: Yeah, but you didn't pay. You didn't pay the price of Meta to give you. Five innings a week. You paid for Meta to give you 107 innings on the year.
2: No, that's not true. I paid for Meta to give me like 135 or 140. Okay. I now mean, I expected them to be better than this. That's the thing.
1: I'm not sure that's a real possibility considering the fact that the Dodgers dealt away much of their starting pitching depth.
2: And Kershaw's hurt. And I mean, they're like, they're a disaster right now. Yeah,
1: they yeah. are. They're surprisingly bad.
0: But they're always bad to start the year.
2: No, 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 no man. Not have you watched bad, these games? They are like a deflated team.
0: They yeah, have they
2: nothing good. in the tank.
0: I don't know. The fight, when, once once Kershaw comes back though, like
2: Dude, I, I thought maybe Justin Turner would light a spark. They lost again today. And they yeah. came back. Dude, they 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 know. look I... a team. They look like a team without fight, and it sucks because like the World Series was so great to watch, but man, they they don't they just don't look like the same exact team.
0: As as far as the rotation goes, Pat, uh, I I still think it's a solid five once um Kershaw comes back because now with Bueller, um, you know you have Hill there. Wood's been good. Kershaw go go in. I, I just I I think it's a strong possibility just because he was so good in the pen last year. Yeah, but then who's okay. taking that fifth spot? Uh Tony Singrani. I don't know.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right, Joe, you got those nukem trades?
2: Yeah, there's a lot. Um, but I'll try and pick some of the better ones. So um there's Newcomb for Lorenzo Cain.
0: No. Oh, God, oh man. Cain. Have... Hey, I'll give you canukum for Kane. No. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Raise you
2: right. your answer. Uh, what about Newcomb or Dylan Bundy?
0: Newcomb. Oh, that's a that's a good one. But I'm I'm taking I'm keeping my boy Nukem, I I just can't do it with the Baltimore pitchers anymore.
2: Yeah, I'd go Nukem too, only because I know for sure Dylan Bundy's gonna blow up. I feel like Nukem's gonna blow up, but I don't know for sure. Um, let's see what else we have. Uh. Newcomb and Hendricks for Jordan Lyles and Lance McCullers.
0: That's an interesting. Oh, Newcomb and
1: Hendricks definitely.
0: Yeah, me too. Wow. What was it? Lyles and and McCullers. Yeah, I'm with the Newcomb. Hendricks.
1: Yeah, I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather have Hendricks than McCullers, and rather have um, Newcomb
2: than Lyles. All right, and isn't
0: isn't Hendricks like the perfect guy with Newcomb because he's like so safe yes. and yes so yes
2: yes uh, I got one more <clears throat> um this is like the all the Knicks boys Newcomb for Matt Adams and Janice. Mm-hmm.
0: I really I love ex- Matt Adams. It just it? exploded on <laughs> That's I, the sound I, I love Matt Adams right now. I think he's a sort of beast this year, but I'm keeping Nukem. I,
1: I think mean. I would take Adams and, and Junis.
2: I think I'm
0: taking Nukem. Oh, it's tough. Oh, Junis looks so good.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think Junis and Nukem are like similar. So getting Adams really? as the. A, as a, uh... They're
0: so not similar.
1: Well, no. I mean, I, in terms of what I think they'll do, not in terms of who they are.
0: Yeah, but they're not similar at all in terms of what they'll do.
1: Okay, I'm not. We've talked enough about Sean Newcomb tonight.
0: I know, I'm, but they're all right. We're not going to. Yeah, it. no. no I mean, Nick's, Nick's right. Right, like
2: one one strikes out ten per nine and is going to walk four and a half, and the other one strikes out eight per nine and is going to walk like one and a half. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: But what I meant was the value is going to be similar.
2: That's
0: true. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's, right. What, that's
1: what I meant right. by what they'll do.
0: All right. All right. All right. That, 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 that.
1: Okay, the overlooked Tanner Roark versus the potentially overhyped Chase Anderson.
0: Yo, I'm Chase not, Anderson not, sucks. I said this. I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about you guys. I don't want to do it. I'm out of this discussion. Pass.
2: Oh my God. I hated Chase Anderson. I told everyone. I had him ranked like 80th. He sucks.
1: Yeah, the fastball velo is gone. Homers are back.
2: Walks her up.
1: Walks her up.
2: Oh my god, he sucks.
1: He he got a cold and went on the DL.
2: He was like, Oh, I had all these potential mechanical changes that kind of made me alright and I forgot how to throw.
1: Yeah, abort, 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 abort.
2: <laughs> but Oh boy.
1: Let me talk a little bit about Tanner rock
3: <laughs> Obviously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's been he's been solid so far. The peripherals paint a different picture. Um, It's sort of a mixed bag when you look at the profile. The good, the swinging strike rate has kept up and the caper nine is floating around eight. He's got good authority management. Once again, he's suppressing hard contact. The walk rate is down year over year and he's continued the trend from last season with respect to usage of his secondary stuff. Um, Some more good. He's The profile has sort of corrected itself in May. It's a small sample, but the fastballs are down even further to match last year's end of season run when he was very good. Uh, the grounders have come back with that over 50% after being down in April. Now the bad, the fastball velocity is down. The fly balls are up 5% and the grounders are down about 5% on the year. But as I pointed out in May, that's sort of corrected itself. So I'm not terribly worried about that. Without the plus velocity, and especially with below average velocity currently, uh, Roark needs to stay away from the fly balls to keep the ball in the yard. Um, He survived a fly ball month in April, and with the profile trending up, I'm feeling pretty good about him. Um, He's sort of a weird commodity because no one is going to give you anything of a value for him. Um, but he's going to give you really solid innings. And unlike Newcomb, you can probably avoid his blow up outings because they will usually come in situations where he's facing the lead offenses.
0: Joe, anything else?
2: Uh, The only other thing I'd add is that I traded Kevin PR the other day um, and I was offered chase Anderson and I declined because I, seriously, seriously, right? I think owning Chase Anderson is a liability, and he actually hurts any team, and he should be dropped.
3: <laughs> Joey Man.
1: hates Chase Anderson. Jesus, he just went okay. back. He just, was ignored, he just ignored everything I said about Tanner Roark. Yes, it, it was yes. just like, yeah. By the way, I still hate Chase
2: Anderson. If he's here right now, I kick him in the nuts. I'm sure he's a nice guy. <laughs>
1: All right, let's move it to the overlooked Tyler Skaggs versus the potentially overhyped Garrett Richards, who might not be potentially overhyped after what he's doing tonight. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Uh, Let's talk about Tyler Skaggs.
0: So, yeah, so I think we all like Skaggs, right, going into the season? Yeah, it was all about injury. I
1: liked pretty much every Angels pitcher, so yeah.
0: Yeah, um... So I, I was really high on Skaggs. I drafted him in our league, and I just went back like a couple of seconds ago. I'm like, who did I? I dropped them like <laughs> the second day after the draft. I'm just I was curious, and I dropped them for Nukem. So at least, oh, it, right. was yeah, at least it was for yeah. Um, I think I'd rather still, have Skaggs though. That's fine. I, I think it, I think it's it's close and it's respectable because he looks really good right now, and um, he could be in the middle of a real breakout because the curveball is so damn good. Uh, it's been pretty much unhittable this year. Uh, I had him pegged for a breakout, and I had him pegged for a guy that where uh, I said earlier in the earlier in the in the spring training that I could see his uh, K per nine hover around nine, nine and a half, which would be beautiful because he does have pretty good command and control. Um, so the ratios would be really strong. It's a matter of staying healthy, and if he's able to pitch a full season, he could be really, 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 really interesting. I, I like Skaggs a lot. Uh, as far as Garrett Richards goes. Um, there's no one in the world that wasn't buying the talent in, 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 uh, in Richards. Uh, I like the guy you like the Pat definitely loves the guy. I know Joey, you like him as well. Uh, there's just big, big, big question marks as far as injury goes. And, and, you know, even if he pitches like this month and next month, like fully, and he's awesome, I still don't think he's a guy that people are going to buy into because of how bad the injury past has been. And he's not a guy like Rich Hill who, like, will stub his toe and miss a week. He'll, like, break his arm and miss, like, five months. Uh, that's the problem with Richards. He's missed substantial, substantial time. I don't know if people are really buying in. Uh, whereas Skaggs, you could probably sell him for a pretty penny right now. Yeah,
1: I mean, with Skaggs, it's the profile that I like. Uh, the Ks are over nine per nine. Um the walks are at 2.66 per nine, and he's got a 52% ground ball rate. So he's similar to Newcomb. Um, Newcomb's got the uh, higher K rate, but the higher, a much higher walk rate. And the Skaggs has a slight edge in terms of the ground ball rate. The um, ERA is in line with the projections. The homers can probably climb a little bit for Skaggs, Um But I think Skaggs is pretty sustainable in the 350 ERA class with good Ks. Um, There's not a noticeable change in velocity. The swinging strike rate has surged. Um, But he's also a called strikes guy. He's a guy that has a history of getting um, called strikes, and that's a sustainable skill. I'm a buyer. I've been trying to get him. Um, Health is always a risk, but... I mean, and then this applies to Richards too. I've said it over and over again when it comes to pitchers um, and and players in general. You're healthy until you're not. Um, and with Richards, he's he looked very, very good tonight. Um, the control and the command seem to have come back a bit. The control is never going to be great, and neither is the command. Um, but as long as he's not walking the world, uh, he's going to be a very useful starting pitcher. Um, he's sort of similar to Newcomb, um, in that he's going to present a pretty good K rate and probably a subpar walk rate with a ground ball profile. Um, I I think the three of them are sort of interesting together. Um, Richards probably has the highest performance upside of the three. Uh, Skaggs probably has the best floor of the three in terms of performance and, um, you know, Newcomb is probably the combination of the two.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty good. And I I mean, you touched on a lot of things there, so I won't really add too much, but I, I just personally, I think I'd rather take Skaggs over Richards being that Richards is coming back from. Like some serious and major injuries, um, and I think that's affected his control a bit. Um, while Skaggs doesn't have those control issues right now, and Skaggs is just looking like the better pitcher right now, aside from today where Richards is blank blank the Astros. Um, so uh, they're they're both they're both definitely good guys to own in their own ways, um, and I think they're both return value as long as they're healthy.
1: Okay. We're going to move it to the player spotlight. We're each going to highlight a few players that have caught our eye um, through the first six, seven weeks of the season. Uh, my, I will kick it off. And my first player is Eugenio Suarez. Um, I've been extremely encouraged by what I've seen out of Suarez. Uh, he has not only maintained a lot of his 2017 gains in terms of plate discipline and power, but he's made further strides. The K rate is down, and it's down because he's swinging more inside the zone. Uh, the power is playing at a 30 homer pace, which is primarily due to a hard contact rate that is over 50%. Let me say that again, over 50%. Um, you see it. He's hitting everything with authority. The batter ball profile is well-balanced. He's got a strong line drive rate and a near one-to-one ground ball-to-fly ball mix, that's going to lead to a plus Babbitt profile with 30 homers without a real strikeout issue. If that's the case, you're looking at a 285 batting average with 30-plus homers um, hitting behind and driving in Joey Votto. Uh, I think he's a buy because I'm not sure the market has caught up with the fact that he has some upside beyond what he's done previously.
0: Yeah, he's also close to the top of the league, and he's has he's a lot of RBIs right now. Um, yeah, and he
1: also missed, like, two and a half weeks with a thumb injury. So not only is he near the top of the league in RBIs, but he, he's dealing with a significantly smaller sample than everybody else.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring up uh, Matt Adams. Uh, we brought him up before briefly, but... Uh, I picked him up probably, I don't know, a week and a half ago after he's just been absolutely scorching hot. And he's continuing to hit, and I think that he's going to continue to the end of the year. Uh, Looking at his advanced stats, the exit velo is high. uh, The launch angle is high. The hard contact is high. He's absolutely crushing righties, and he's absolutely crushing at home right now. I I just think that he's going to have a breakout season this year. Right now he's cemented in the four spot. Sometimes they play in Bris lefties now too, and he's gets moved out to the six. So either way, he's still close to the top of that lineup. Um, obviously, if you're in a daily league, you probably want to sit him against uh, sit him against lefties. But you start him every single start when he's facing righties. Uh, it's going to continue. And if you look at last year's year uh, pace it out, he was at a 30 home run pace with a really good OPS and really solid average. Um. I don't know why you would be a non-believer right now. Uh I think I, I totally think it's gonna continue. And I think that you need to go out and own this guy. Cause it the, the percentage, the percentage ship is still uh, nice, right around seventy percent, which you know, he's out there.
2: All right. So the guy I'm gonna touch up on is uh Luis Gohara. So um full disclosure, I only watched one of his two outings so far. He pitched yesterday. I didn't get a chance to see that. The line looked good though but I did watch Gohara's debut out of the pen. Um, And I have to say, I'm just a slight bit worried. Um, The slider was devastating, but it's really the fastball control that has me worried. Um, He lost it quite a few times in the inning and he ended up loading the bases. Um, He was definitely trying to throw the fastball and not pitch with it. Um, And I'm just not sure if he's got a good enough feel for his pitches just yet, really to be excellent as a starter. I think that he might see a, a long leash out in the pen, um, and and it, it's only one outing, so I'm willing to give him a break. But he's someone that I think I'm going to be closely watching because if that command gets lost, sometimes um, I think they're gonna be hard pressed to be starting him, and they'll stick him, they'll keep him in the pen.
1: Okay, my second guy is Caleb Smith. Um, I think he's a Robbie Ray clone. Um, He was pushed back tonight to tomorrow. Um, There was no official word on why, if there's an injury there, um, or if it was simply just trying to get him an extra day of rest. But he's a quality fastball slider combo guy coming from the left side, generating a lot of whiffs, 11.7% swing strike rate, with some control issues, 4.31 walks per nine. He's also got contact issues, hard contact percentage of 38% against. Um, So, yeah, basically Robbie Ray. Um, The fastball has played really well because it's a high spin pitch. Uh, The change is not special, but it's got good velocity gap between it and the fastball. It's about 8 to 10 miles per hour. Uh, The ballpark is obviously fantastic when he is home, especially with the fly ball rate of 44.6%. He's pretty much a must start at home, in my opinion. On the road, you need to be careful. But I like the profile on what I've seen. He's like Ray from a few years ago. The fastball-slider combination can play. Um, there will be some blow-ups. But if you pick your spots, you can probably avoid them. Get plenty of Ks from an arm that's got somewhere between 110 to 120 innings left this season. Uh, wait for I would wait for the next blow-up and then buy. Because this is a guy people got off the
0: waivers. Um. All right, so my next guy is the guy I wanted to speak about most out of my three. Uh, so I'm going to give you guys two numbers, and I'm going to let you try and guess who it is, okay? Okay. It's, it's, it's going to be totally random. Uh, it's going to be hard to guess, but just take a shot. You're going to be surprised at who it is. So right now, he's got a, a 90.38 mile per hour exit velo, 14.27 launch angle, He's got six home runs and he's batting three twenty eight in the last month. And he plays third base. That's it. That's the last one I'll give you.
2: Third base. He's
0: got an eight thirty seven over the last month as well. Seventeen home runs in the last month. Seventeen RBIs. <laughs>
1: Is it Anthony Rendon?
0: Nah, it, it's Evan Longoria. Oh. And I think that he has been completely under the radar with what he's been doing so far this year. No one's been talking about him at all. We haven't. Got- well, he got off to no. a terrible
1: start. Like
0: he was. Would- yeah, it was terrible. but he It was, was like over
1: thirty-five or something like that. It yeah. was like insane. And,
0: and, and you know, to start off like that and now have a seven forty-eight OPS and a two forty-four average just goes to show you how good he's been lately. Um, so right now in the year, he's got eight home runs, 20 runs scored, 22 RBIs. Um, and if you paste those numbers out to 600 at bats, you're looking at like 30 home runs, really good counting stats. Um, so I don't know. It, it could be uh, someone who may resurrect his career in San Fran. We definitely didn't think it was possible because of the ballpark, but he's looked really, really good lately. And. That team is sneaky because, you know, with the injuries to Mad Bum and that whole rotation, Johnny Cueto, Mad Bum's going to be back in a couple of weeks. Um, if McCutcheon hasn't really hit his stride. Posey has been eh so far. Uh, this is a team that when they do hit their stride, they could really roll. They've got a lot of guys that could get on base. Um, and I think the Giants are going to be interesting to watch as the year progresses. Um, but definitely keep your eye on Longo right now. He's been playing really good, and if it if it continues for the next, you know, couple of weeks or a month, I would go out and buy because I, I still think he's the kind of guy that no matter how well he does, the value will still be low. But the reason why I brought him up, though was really because of the exit velo being through the roof, and because of the launch angle. Those that ninety mile per hour exit velo from uh, this guy is is pretty damn good.
2: He's, uh, he's a problem in both batting average and on-base league, though. So. I mean, he's walking 2.5% of the time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty rough. So uh, someone I wanted to talk about was uh, Michael Kopek. And this is more of just an update um, to kind of try and bring everyone up to speed about what he's done in the minors. Um, and full disclosure, I don't really know much about what's going on in the White Sox minor league system and who they're thinking about bringing up and when. Um, But I think Kopech someone to keep on the radar. Um, So we know the White Sox rotation isn't anything outstanding, and it shouldn't keep Kopech down for an extended period of time. And that's what I'm talking about. I don't really know for sure, but that's what you'd logically think. Um, This year, he's shown even more strikeout stuff with his blazing fastball slider combo. Um, And even though in his last outing in AAA, he got shelled for eight runs, Prior to that, um, he was doing a great job of keeping runs off the board and he had the walks down too. So um, once he's up, he's likely going to be prone to explosive outings like a lot of the guys we've talked about today. Um, because of the, the command being shoddy at times, um, I just don't think that they can keep him down much longer uh, because there's really not that much else going on in the White Sox rotation. and um, And I think more or less he's ready to come up. So, it's just so he's just someone to keep an eye out, and I think he's worth a speculative ad sooner rather than later.
1: Okay, my last guy I'm going to talk about tonight is Kyle Gibson. Um, we talked about him really briefly last week, so I wanted to take a deeper dive on him. Um, but before I tell you what I see, let's just wind the clocks back to the second half of last year. He put up a 3.76 ERA just under a K per inning. And he had a reduction in terms of contact authority. Um, So far this year, a 10.07 K per nine with good results. The walks are a little high, but I think that's small sample noise. The contact authority is rough again. His hard contact percentage allowed is 40%. Um, Ground balls are back under 50%. The only difference during his run from last year and into this year is he's upped the use of his four seamer and decreased his sinker usage. He's throwing five different pitches between 36% and 12% of the time. Being that this is the best month, the best five month stretch of uh, Gibson's career, that minor change has had major effects. And we mentioned that same change when we talked about Lyles earlier. Um, The market is still understandably slow to buy in. Uh, And I mean, even we were. I mean, we were very apprehensive last week, even though we were encouraged. Um, He's a cautious buy from me. I like that there's a change to explain the results, even if it's not drastic. Um, The returning hard contact, though, is a little troubling.
0: Uh, First of all... I'm going to I'm going to talk about Joey Gallo and this is the last guy we're going to talk about for the night. But I can't believe we got through a podcast without talking about Nick Markakis cuz that's all anyone is talking about right now is Nick Markakis. We talked about him last week. Yeah. I know, but he needs to be done that every week the guy. And, guys, and the week before. before. Um yeah, so Joey Gallo. Um and you know, Joey Gallo's not like the rest of the guys we spoke about because he's 90% owned and He's got 13 home runs already this season, and he kind of is what not really what we thought he would be. Um, so here's my point on Gallo. Uh, those who drafted him uh, paid the price for the home runs and maybe were wishful thinkers as far as the key rate that it would come down he would make more contact, and, you know, maybe he could get lucky and hit 230, whatever, whatever. Uh, over the last two weeks, he's batting 140 with a 655 OPS the last week he's 2 for 22 he's got a, zero, a 0.091 average and a 0.427 average but the thing to look at here although he's struggling with all those numbers he's still not striking out that much so i think there's like this is a, this is a guy to watch and if this slump goes on any longer go out and buy because if he's proving that he can maintain a 33 or less percent k rate forget about it and so far it looks like that actually may happen. We spoke about it in the offseason. Oh, if he gets to 30, if he gets to 32, even 33. And he's there. So let's see it, let's see this continue for the next month. And let's hope that he has he, he goes through this um sapped power slump. And you need to go out and buy him right away. Go out and buy him, go out and buy him because he's gonna absolutely crush if he if he keeps his gains.
2: Yeah, I mean he's making legitimate uh zone contact gains um I mean it's up like yeah, seven like, own... percent like,
0: like, like if like if one of us if you owned him Joe like right now and he's like like you said he's two for twenty two you would you would right away go look at the k rate and guy like, yeah, but he's still not back up around thirty seven percent right yeah like, and that's right like he i mean he's still
2: i the walk rate is down a little bit but it's not like he's killing you there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the bounce back's going to come. It's just hopefully hopefully it swings, like, like kind of far in his way. Um, I mean, the Bat-Bibs at 224, and I think even for him that's low because of the contact that he's making. So, um, yeah,
0: I, I'm with you. He's a good buy low. Yeah, and I, I brought him up just to have everyone put put him on their watch list. Because now I I kind of have his batting average pro- that projected for like two thirty, which would be
2: amazing for Joey Gallo. Yeah, it would be really good. So you uh you mentioned that Gallo is gonna be the last guy, but you skipped my guy, man.
0: Oh, sorry, I thought you it's, were done.
2: No, so it's it's so last guy we're actually gonna talk about tonight is Evan Gaddis, and so Gaddis is incredibly interesting. So I'm on record of being someone who I he's someone who I hate watching as an Astros fan. Um, but with that said, yeah, uh, he's striking out a ton this year, despite cutting the chase rate whiff rate and up in the contact rate, which just doesn't make s- too much sense. Gaddis is just like a walking anomaly right now. Um, he is taking more pitches, so he just hasn't been as aggressive as he's been in the past. So I think that explains a little bit of it. My real worry with Gaddis, though is, is Max Stassi is around and he's handling his own with the staff actually very well. And he's hitting well. Um, and McCann isn't going anywhere as he's also beloved by the staff. I'm just worried from, uh, you know, a real life and fantasy perspective that Gaddis gets the boot soon with so much talent in the Astros, uh, minor league system. Um, I don't, I don't know if they'd necessarily bench him outright, right. but if he continues to struggle, um, he could, could lose playing time in the DH spot. Now, so are he, you like Stassi? Uh, just as a, like a, as an actual Astros fan, not as okay. a fantasy prospect. Right. I mean he's batting three hundred, but he's got like a home run.
0: And he's got a like a four ninety baby right now. Yeah, like, yeah I don't know four ninety, but it's definitely inflated.
2: Yeah, yeah. The the thing with the thing with Gaddis is it's just like I don't know how much how long his leash is gonna be. Because the two of them are pretty much the the, the full time catchers now.
0: That's it? That- Earth to Pat.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps it up. I just wanted to make sure we were done, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done. That's just for incensed.
0: just fell asleep on air. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: okay. right. That's going to wrap it up for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another episode for you. I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, let them know
2: where they can find you.
0: Nick FWO and
2: joe fwo see you next week peace out peace